It's wonderful to have you in the Lord's house today. We thank you for coming. This is the middle of our love month. Everybody say love. And we welcome you to the Lord's house today. If you're watching by Facebook, we welcome you. And we want you to be blessed. Do you know today that God loves you? If you don't get any other revelation in your life, if you don't get any other education, if there's not a lot of things that you learn, if you can just understand that God loves you, you're not alone. You don't have to live in this big world feeling empty and sorrowful and pitiful and depressed and sad. There's somebody who loves you. Brother Tim and Sister Walletta just sang a beautiful song, If That Isn't Love. The love of God that sent His Son to hang on a cross. And we talked last week about the love of God and about loving God. We've got to love God. And we talked last week, if we're going to love God, we've got to love what God loves. What does God love? God loves His Word. God loves His house. God loves His people. Can I get a big amen? amen. And so today, we're going to take it a step further in our love month. And we're going to look at loving others. You see, our relationship has got to be this way first of all. But then, it's got to be this way. Amen? We live in a world full of people. You live in a house with people. You come to church with people. You work with people. There's people everywhere you go. And unless you just become a hermit, you're going to have to deal with people. So if we're going to have to deal with people, shouldn't we learn just how to love them? How do I love people? Now today, we're going to combine two weeks into one. Because we've got a special guest next week. It is February. Valentine's is coming up. Just let me give a little shout out to all of the men. The Friday is Valentine's. I'm just saying. A gift, a card, a flower. Make something. Do something. Tell your spouse you love them. You have no excuse. I've warned you. But we're having our, our conference, our couples conference this Saturday from 9 to 4. You need to pay this morning. It's $15 per person. If you're married, if you're single, if you want to be married, if you used to be married, if you hope to get married again. Come on. You need to know how to love each other, how to communicate. And we're going to have a wonderful day, full barbecue dinner. But you need to sign up and pay today back in the foyer uh, with the hospitality team. And so we're going to combine two weeks. We're going to look at loving others and loving our children, which are others. They're just stranger others. We're going to talk about loving them today. And the next week, uh, Brother Philip and Sister Laura, they're going to combine and talk about marriage. And uh, it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful time. If you have your Bibles today, we're looking at Luke chapter number 10. We talked last week about when God said, he said, what's the greatest commandment? And uh, once again, uh, we're going to see him say, Jesus declared this same thing. Luke chapter 10, verse number 25. It says, and behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? You see, so many people are asking that question. People today are asking that question. What must I do to have eternal life? 
How do I get to heaven? Jesus said, well, it's written in the law. How readest thou? And he answered us, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, with all your mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, thou hast rights answered, this do, and thou shalt live. But then he willing to justify himself said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus answering said, and we'll stop there for a moment. Here this lawyer is trying to give a ten point and trick Jesus. And he said, hey, you know, how do I get eternal life? And Jesus said simply, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. Love your neighbor yourself. And, and, and he said, well, well, who's my neighbor? And Jesus said, well, just let me tell you a story. He used parables, stories, earthly stories with heavenly meanings. And he said there was a certain man who went down to Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among thieves. And was, they stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed him half dead. And by chance there came a certain priest that way. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him, and he passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and sat him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence, and gave them to the host and said, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come, I'll repay thee. Jesus said, Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And the lawyer said, The one that showed mercy on him. And Jesus said, Go and do likewise. Today I want to declare to you that we have got to leave this building and go and do likewise. There was a man that was married. He had an ex. You know, I just read this, this week that uh, you there, there's a zoo that you can send in $25 and they will name a rat after your ex. And then they'll feed the rat to a snake. Reminds me of the ex-husband or the ex-wife that a genie appeared to her and said, Hey, uh, I'll give you three wishes, but remember, whatever I give to you, I'm going to give your ex-husband double. And so she said, Okay. She said, I, I want a million dollars. And they said, Okay, but he's going to get two million. Said, okay. She said, I, I want the biggest house. He said, Okay, but he's going to get her bigger house. He said, this is your third wish. You need to wish carefully. Think about it. And she thought for a while. And she said, I want you to beat me half to death. <laughs> well, here was a man that the Bible declares was beat half to death. And he was left to die. Here came a priest. Now, you would think of a priest of being compassionate. But see, there was a problem. There's always a problem in our world when people see need. People see need and they go, 
That's not my concern. It's not my responsibility. It's not my job. And then they look at the person in need and they go, I don't know them. They're a stranger. They don't look like me. They're not the same gender. They're not the same color. They're not from the same town. They're not. And we always have an excuse why. But the priest saw him and he just walked on by. And then the Levite came and he saw him. But he passed on by. How many of us see people in need? We see needs and we see hurts and we see pain and we see problems and we have the resources and we have the know-how and we could do something about it, but we choose. You see, choosing to help or not to help is a choice. But Jesus said there was a Samaritan. Now, when he's talking to a bunch of Jews, immediately they're taken back. (gasps) Because see, the Samaritans were a mixed breed. And they were very prejudiced against them. And they, they, they didn't like them very much. And they would go out of their way to avoid them. Kind of like some of y'all do people in Walmart. You see people and you're like, oh, I don't want to see them. You go to the next aisle. We avoid people sometimes for a lot of different reasons. But Jesus said, this man stopped and he helped and he bound up his wounds and he poured in the oil and he put him on his donkey and he carried him to an end and he took care of him and he paid for his food and his medicine. And he said, whatever you spend, when I come back, I'll pay the rest. Jesus said, which one of these people are your neighbor? Now, I'm going to ask you something. What kind of neighbor do you want? Do you want a neighbor that'll just pass you by when you have a need? Or do you want a neighbor that'll stop and help? Come on, I want a neighbor that'll help me. But you know what? If I'm gonna, if I want a neighbor that way, I need to be a neighbor that way. Amen? Here we're talking about the love month. What I love about the Lord's house is our diversity. Fifteen nations of people coming together, read different races and creeds and languages and tongues and genders and age groups. But we come together for one purpose, and that is to worship the Lord our God and to love one another. First John chapter 4 verse 20 says, if a man say, I love God. How many of you would say today you love God? Most, most everybody, a few of you, the rest of you like, that's a trick question. He's going to say something and get me in trouble. I'm not raising my hand. If you say you love God, but you hate your brother, you're a liar. Wow. What is he? But, 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 but I don't hate anybody. But are you prejudiced against them? Are you you prejudiced against color, against gender, against economic status? On what people wear or what they drive or where they live? Do you shun people for various reasons? You know, prejudice is a terrible thing. What is prejudice? It's an unfair feeling of dislike for a person 
or a group based on race or sex or religion or, or any a number of things. It's a feeling of like or dislike for someone or something, especially if it's not reasonable. There's so many people that dislike other people and there's no reason for it. There's just something prejudiced in our heart from maybe the way we were raised, from what we were taught, from what we were told. And let me tell you, prejudice is a learned thing. You see, love is an action. Love is not a feeling. There's many times you may wake up and you don't feel like loving. You may not feel like you're loved or you feel like giving love. But love is not a feeling. Love is a choice. Love is an action. You choose to love people. Regardless of their situation. What am I doing? Everybody ask yourself the question. What am I doing to love people? How does my life, how does my action, how does my words, how does my Facebook post, how, what's my feelings inside my heart? What is my mind saying about people? What am I teaching in my home? In just a moment we're going to talk about children. What am I teaching my children in my home about how to treat other people? See, you may say, I have no prejudice. I have no, I love everybody. But then somebody pulls out in front of you. And maybe you have no prejudice about race or color. But when they pull out in front of you, you just say, that's stupid, whatever. And your child sitting in the back seat. And they look and they see that gender or that color. And they think they associate that. And now you've started teaching prejudice. We teach prejudice by not just our words, by our actions, by how we treat other people. What do my actions teach? What are my actions teaching my children? What are my actions teaching others? What is what I say and what I do? What is my Facebook post? What is it saying to others about how I feel about them. How I treat them. We're living right now. We're in a time of, of uh, our government. Our, our political status. I mean it's so, so crazy in the world. And I'm telling you. We cannot have any prejudice. If it's about a political party. Or another country. Amen. Jesus has called us to love one another. He didn't say if you agree with them. He didn't say if you like them. He didn't say if they do something nice for you. He just said love one another. And if you say you love God, but you hate your neighbor, you're a liar. Are our actions, are our words saying we love people, but our actions calling us a liar? You see, people, everybody say this with me. Say, people are not my enemy. Listen, the, we, we fight against our enemy, but it's the devil. We don't fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Ephesians 6.12 says, and, and, and the rulers of darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. We're not fighting against people. People are not your enemy. 
People act ugly. People are used by the devil to do bad things. But when people do bad things, I mean, we've got to realize it's just the influence of evil in their life. And I don't hate them. I hate the action. I hate the evil. But I love the person. You see, Jesus never condemned people. He condemned sin. He called right, right and wrong, wrong. He called sinners out on their actions. But he loved them. He loved people. We can hate people's actions, but love the person. We love sinners, but we hate sin. Because sin destroys and it kills people and it takes people to hell. And it takes love, amen, to tell a person that your actions are wrong, but I love you. Don't get people's sin mixed up with the person. Come on, I'm not condemning you. I'm condemning the sin, the action that is leading you to destruction. And I love you enough to tell you. If you were in a house and it was on fire, amen, I would not walk by and go, well, you know, I'd love to go knock on the door and tell them their house is on fire, but what if I offend them? Can I tell you this morning, if my house is on fire, offend me. Scream, yell, shout, beat on the door. Tell me my house is on fire because I don't want to perish. I want to live. And if you're a neighbor and you care and you love people, you won't let them die in their sin without telling them about a God that loves them and died on the cross for them and gave His Son Jesus for them. And He can restore them and save them and heal them and take them to heaven. We don't like sin, but we love people. 1 John 3, 17, 18 says, But whosoever hath in this world's goods and seeth his brother in need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion for him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, rather in tongue, but in deed and truth. Let's just don't go around saying we love people. Let's show it. Let's continue to feed the hungry, clothe the naked, reach out to the lost and the dying. Tell the sinner that there's hope in Jesus and that we love them. Can I get a big amen? Amen. We've got to learn to love our neighbors and love our co-workers and love our bosses. And we've got to love our spouses and we've got to love our children. You see, if you love your children... You'll train them. You'll teach them right. If you really love your children, you will share with them a little two-letter word that is almost never spoken in this generation. No. No. You see, God is a good God and God doesn't give His gifts to people who are undeserving. Neither should we. How many is going to give your six-year-old a car? How many is going to buy your, you know, your ten-year-old, I don't know, an airplane, a real one? 
They're not ready. They don't have the ability. They don't have the mental capability. They don't have the talent. We've got to give gifts according to their age. And God is the same way. You're throwing a temper tantrum wanting a car and you're not even worthy of a tricycle. Listen, you got to learn little. Learn to ride a bike. Get the tra- training wheels off. And then we'll talk about a motorcycle. But you've got to grow into it. But we've got to learn with our children. Stop giving kids everything they want. Learn to say no. That's not getting a lot of amens. Children, I said it a while ago. Children are a gift from God. They're a gift. And they're a blessing. And God gave you them to your in your hands. And they children came out of a love relationship. Children have both of your DNAs. And the problem with your children. How many wants to know the problem with your children? I see a lot of hands. They're just like you. <laughs> That's what's wrong with your kids. They have you in them. They got their mama and their daddy. And anytime their kids did wrong, Amy would say, I, they're reaping, I'm reaping what you sowed. <laughs> Husband and wife driving down the road. They were kind of fussing and arguing. They looked out and saw a donkey. Brother Tim went over this last, last Sunday and we got to see his donkey. And uh, they were driving. He saw the donkey and wife looked over at him and said, Is he kin to you? He said, Yes, on my wife's side. <laughs> Listen, there's a lot of... The problem with kids is they're just like us. They have a lot of our nature and a lot of our action. And they, they've got to be trained and they've got to be taught. The problem is we don't even have our own self under control. We haven't learned to control our own mouth or our own actions. And our kids, kids do not. We say it all the time. Don't do as I do, do as I say. That's a bunch of baloney. Kids are going to do exactly what you do. They act like you, worse, there you go. They act like you, they talk like you, they'll have your same accent, they'll have your mannerisms. And listen, you as a parent, it is amazing the influence that we have in our children's lives. Influence that goes far beyond the grave. The Bible says you don't live to yourself and you don't die to yourself. Our children take on our characteristics and our personalities. I have a, a picture of my daddy in, in, in my Bible. And every now and then, uh, as I'm reading, it'll pop up. And I'm telling you, every year, every time I see it, I'm looking more and more like him. If only I could become more and more like him. He was a man of God. He taught me well. He taught me to love God and love others and love my wife. And he taught me to fast and pray and love God's word. He was such an amazing influence. But he didn't just tell me any of those things. He did those things and I watched him do them. 
I watched him lay on the floor and pray and fast. I watched him read his Bible. I watched him write the entire Bible. Most of my young child life, I watched him every day writing. And today I have a handwritten version of the King James Bible about that thick. That he wrote by hand. He didn't tell me to love God's Word. He showed me to love God's Word. He taught me by action. You, What are you teaching your children? You think they're not watching. You think they're not listening. You think they're in bed asleep. They're not. They're at the door listening. God have mercy. They hear what we do and they hear what we say and they hear how we talk to our, their mother and their, they talk to our father and we're teaching them how to treat their spouse by how we treat ours. We, we're teaching them how to treat people in the world of other colors by the way we treat them and what we say about them behind closed doors. They hear our jokes, they hear our words, they see what we see and what we do And they're becoming who we are. I don't know about you, but that makes me want to change a little bit. I got a Father's Day message that I'm going to preach someday from an old country song. Simply entitled, Lord, help me help my stupid self. Preach that some Father's Day. Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go. We talked about this a few moments ago when we were dedicating to Leah. You've got to find the gifts and the talents that are in your children. Don't try to live your life through your children. You always wanted to be a sports star, but you didn't have the talent or the ability, and you're going to make them do it. And they don't have the talent and ability. You're going to make them become a singer. There's people that go to America's Got Talent, and they go on The Voice, and I'm, I'm telling you, I listen to them, and I'm like, why didn't their mama tell them they can't sing? Instead, they let them go and embarrass themselves in front of the whole world. Come on, has somebody have enough guts to say, listen, you have got talent and ability and you can be anything but a singer. You might can be a singer, but you just need to take some more lessons. Or, but see, we don't do that. Sometimes we're, we, we, for some reason, we, we, we push people into doing things they, they don't want to do, they don't like to do. And listen, I am not for letting kids quit. If they start something, make them finish it. I'm preaching better than you're saying amen. If your children start playing a sport, make them finish the season. If they don't like it, they never have to play it again. But teach them responsibility. If you let them quit everything they start, they'll quit every job they have. And they'll quit on marriage. And they'll quit on their own kids. Teach them if you start something, you're going to finish it. Teach them responsibility. 
Teach them how to work with their hands. Teach them that a good hard day's work, amen, makes you sleep better at night than just getting somebody to give you something for free. Stop giving them everything free and make them work for it. It's okay to make kids have chores. Now listen, uh, don't make your five-year-old clean out the gutters on the roof. Let them pick up their toys and straighten up. And let Teach them at their level. And listen, they're not your little slaves. They don't have to work eight, ten hour days. That's your job to provide for them. But they do need some responsibility. They need to learn to pick up after themselves. They need to say, learn to say please and thank you. And if you'll teach them in private... You won't have the public embarrassment at Walmart with them kicking and screaming in the floor and embarrassing the fire out of you. Huh? Yeah. Listen, you've got to train a child in the way he should go. Find out their gifts and their talents and then go full steam ahead. Find what they like, what they enjoy, their gifts and their talents, and then pour your life into helping them develop their God-given talents and ability. And then the Bible goes on to say, if you'll train them up in the way they should go, when they're old, they're not depart from it. I just always wonder why he didn't say nothing about the teenage years. You know, all kids make mistakes. Did any of y'all ever make a mistake? I made some mistakes. Listen, while my daddy was preaching on a Sunday morning, me and my friends were up in the attic, fell through the ceiling, feet hanging out right over the pulpit. I thought my daddy was going to kill me when I got home. And when I got home, he did give me a spanking. And it was not as hard as I was expecting. He told me he loved me. He told me, you know, I needed to be in church, sitting in the seat, listening, not running to playing up in the attic. And he corrected me. But man, it wasn't as bad as I thought. He didn't tell me then. He waited till I was older. Then he told me, son, when I was in revival one time, me and the preacher's son was up in the attic chasing pigeons and I fell through. You see, he remembered when he made a mistake and he had mercy on me. Some of you act like with your kids, you've never made a mistake. Act like you were perfect little angels. And you're so hard on your kids, not realizing that you were a little hooligan yourself. Come on. God, thank God that he judges us with mercy. But you have to correct your children. You have to teach them. You have to correct them. You know what the Bible says in Revelation 3.19? As many as I love. Everybody say love. love. We're talking about love. We love our kids. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. I correct them. I don't let them just get by with everything. Proverbs 19.18. Chasten thy son or your daughter while there is hope. It means spank them. Correct them. The Bible says spare the rod, spoil the child. And my mama did not believe in no spoiled children. She did not spare the rod, the switch, the hairbrush, the belt, 
anything that was handy, she would correct us with. And you know what? We turned out pretty good. It didn't scar me a bit. You know why it never bothered me when I got a spanking? Oh, it hurt. I cried. And, you know, it made it right. And you felt good and you went on. But you know why it never really bothered me? Because I knew for every time I got caught and got a spanking, I'd done ten more things I got away with. And so did you. Chasing thy son while there's hope. Come on, don't wait till there's a teenager standing up in your face telling you, no, I'm not going to do that. No, come on. You start when they're little. Amen, start giving them a little tap on their hand. Say, no, no, that's hot. No, no, you can't go out in the street and play. They'll kill you. No, 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 you can't stick your hand in that dog's mouth. No, you can't stick your spoon in the light socket. It's not abuse to tell your child no when they're doing things that could kill them. Chasing them, correct them while there's hope. Don't wait until they're in jail and you're sitting across the glass from them going, man, I sure wish I'd have spanked you a few more times. Don't wait. Now, there's a last part of the scripture that most people don't read, but it's good. Chasten thy son while there's hope, and let not thy soul spare from his crying. I see it all the time. It didn't work with my mama. When my mama came in or my daddy came in to correct us, I started crying before I got the whipping. (laughs) I'm sorry, mama. I'm sorry. I won't ever do it again. (sighs) Bend over, boy. But I see it all the time. Parents go to correct their kid and then they fall to the floor. I'm oh, so sorry. Okay, honey. Come on, let's go get an ice cream. And you just taught your child to be disobedient. We love to count, don't we? They don't get mad at me if you count. I counted too. But when we count, really all we're doing is teaching them, you can disobey me twice, but on the third time I'm going to get you. And then the third time, they still don't do it. And then we say, well, okay, we give in. I can remember my my wife telling our kids, my will is stronger than yours. And it might take hours, but they did what she said. I can remember Daniel. (laughs) They were trying to make him stand up. And he wouldn't stand up. And finally he stood up and he said, I might be standing on the outside, but I'm sitting on the inside. (laughs) I mean, that's a kid's, that's a kid's defiant in their rebellion. I've seen, I've seen Amy take our kids in a, in a, in a grocery store and put them in the basket. And when you go to set them in, they arch their back and kick their feet. And she just pick them up and walk to the car, give them a few little spankings, tell them we're going to go back in. We're going to sit in that buggy, bring them back in. They do it again. I've seen her go out two or three times, but guess what? It, after a few times, she could go shop anywhere she wanted to. And they'd sit right there in that buggy because they knew if they didn't, we're going to take a trip. My mama carried me out of church and I hated it because the the office was out that door. So she'd take me out that door in front of everybody, give me a spanking, and then make me walk right back in. With, with, with I'd be, I'd sit right there at the door. Mama, wait, please, wait, let me dry my tears, please. All my friends are out there. And then I'd walk out. Everybody knew I just got a whooping. 
And I thank God for everyone because she loved me and she loved me too much. Amen. To become a heathen and she made me get down and pray. You know what was worse than the whippings? It wasn't the spankings that hurt. We know as parents, as godly people, as Christians, we know we do not abuse our children. We do not hurt our children. But a little pat, a little switch, a little tap, a little bit of correction is loving. Mama loved me too much. But you know what hurt worse than the spanking? She always made me pray and ask God to forgive me. And mama never, or daddy never left us alone after they spanked us. Then they set us in their lap and they held us in their arms and they cried with us and they talked to us and they let that anger subside. And after mama spanked me, if I was still acting ugly, she'd give me another one until I got happy. And then I remember when I turned about 15 or 16, I can't remember. It was my birthday. And she told me to do something. And I was feeling cocky and I was mad or something. And I said, I don't have to. I'm 15 or 16. I got a spanking on my birthday. I found out as long as I lived in mama's house, I had to obey mama's rules. Amen. That's not in my notes. I just, that's just coming. I don't know. I love you, mama. Looking down from heaven. I turned out all right. Listen, if we're going to teach our children how to, we talked about it last week. Teach your kids to love what God loves. Teach them to love his word. Teach them to love his house. Teach them to love his people. Teach them to be givers and not just takers. Teach them to show love and be compassionate. Teach them to serve. Teach them to give to other people, not just take from other people. Come on, we need to raise a new generation that's going to take this world to a different level. We've got to teach them to love. And the only way they're going to do it is if they see us doing it. Let's step up. Teach our kids values, manners. Let's feel their love tanks. We're learning on Wednesday nights about the five love languages. And kids have them. It's either quality time or words of affirmation or physical touch or what are the other ones? There's two more. Come on Wednesday night, you'll learn them. Gifts. But you know what? If your child's love language is quality time... And you're just always giving them stuff. They feel empty. They feel unloved. And they'll say, my parents don't love me. You go, what? What? I give you everything. Yeah, but their love language is quality time. So instead of you giving them that ball glove and ball, they'd rather you go out in the yard and play ball with them. Don't just give kids stuff and send them to their room. Don't let the TV raise your children. Don't let the teachers at school teach your children. Do it yourself. And teach them from the Word of God. And teach them by example. Can I get a big amen? Amen. Kids will make mistakes. But you have to teach them and correct them. But a child should never feel unloved. Never one time. And I think that's why I'm not scarred. It never bothered me all the spankings I got because I knew I was so loved. And I knew Mama loved me too much to let me 
make the mistakes I was making. She would teach me, correct me. When I did wrong in the sight of God and by His Word, I would have to say, Lord, forgive me. And guess what? Today, when I make a mistake and I fail, I still go and say, God, forgive me. My mama taught me that. My daddy taught me that. They love me to honor God's house and God's Word. I don't ever think about not going to church or praying or reading His Word. I don't do it as much as I should. But you know what? I learned that from my mom and daddy. What are you teaching your kids? Are you teaching them that sports is more important than God's Word or His house? Are you teaching them that, that, that doing your own thing? How are you living? How are you walking? How are you? There was a man every day he, before he went to work and after work, he stopped by the bar. And one day it was just beginning to snow. He left the house on his way. And he looked back and his little boy was stretching out his legs and putting his feet, little feet, in the footsteps of his daddy. And all of a sudden the father realized where his footsteps were leading. And he turned around and picked his son up. And he went in the house and fell on his knees. And said, God have mercy on me. Forgive me. Help me to walk the right way. Because my child, my son is walking in my footsteps. He's going to become like me. Go where I go. Do what I go. Say what I say. Help me be the man that you've called me to be. Do you need to be a better mom, a better dad? Do you need to be a better kid? All the kids in the house today. You may be grown, but just, if you got a mom and daddy. Remember I talked about influence. My mom and dad's both in heaven, but their influence is still working in my life today. Love your kids. Teach your kids. Train your kids. Discipline your kids. But never let your kids feel unloved.